You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again to another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you wherever you are. And this week, we're very excited because we get to hear about the Clean Tech Competition, which is an interesting competition and been going for quite a while. And it's all about helping out high school students to really understand, well, what it's all about, about sustainability, and more importantly, about international research and creating something through a design competition. We get to speak with Kevin Sanders, who is the Clean Tech Competition Administrator at the Center for Science, Teaching and Learning, which is out of the east coast of the US. And they do a fantastic job reaching not just kids in the US, but right across the world. And they're really, really, really cool sort of a competition that you guys can get involved in, no matter where you are. So uh, enough about the preamble. You want to hear about this comp. So uh, let's dive right in. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. So I administer the Spellman High Voltage Clean Tech Competition. It's the only global innovation competition for high school students. And it's a really cool program that allows uh, 15 to 18 year olds do research on a sustainability topic that we change every year, uh, work on a paper, and then you know produce a prototype that they you know, are able to travel with and bring to our finals competition if they're invited, and show it off and look to win our $10,000 grand prize. So it's a really cool concept. Oh, that's fantastic. So where did this all come from? Uh, so it started, uh, see, about nine years ago. Um, it originated as a competition for just students in California and Singapore. Um, and then from there, it kind of expanded and continued to grow. And now it reaches, you know, last year we had over 40 different nations and over 1,100 students from across the globe uh, all in the interest of finding a sustainable solution for our future. That's fantastic. That's pretty good considering uh, nine years and suddenly you're in 40 nations. Well done. I know. It's it's pretty amazing uh, the growth that happened, you know, and then now obviously I'm on board with it and it's I'm really excited. It's a really cool opportunity for everyone. Well, actually, considering how many schools are involved, but then again, there are so many thousands of schools <laughs> that are around the place. Yeah, uh, so there really are. So there'll be people uh, who uh, haven't really come across this clean tech competition. Um, Maybe uh, just, just generally just wanting to know, uh, how does this sort of work? So uh, it starts out by the competition committee. We pick a, a theme for each year. This year, it's reducing individual impacts. And we really tried to go with something that we thought would you know, be able to put the action into the hands of the people and not just have it kind of be this out there project that doesn't really seem like they can do much with. Uh, so then we introduce that. We, you know, we send out emails. We spam it on social media and all that fun stuff um, so that everyone who's interested gets a hand on it. Um, and then the students, they perform their research. Uh, after, whenever they feel that they're ready, they go ahead and they submit a five to 15 page paper. And then we have an international team of professionals in you know, engineering industries, um, innovators, university professors, all the like of that. Uh, they grade them. And then from there, we choose the top 20 in each category. So this year, we, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had two separate categories. Uh, this year, they're um, abundant resources and limited resources. So it really gets both ends of that spectrum. So once they've find, they found the top 20 projects, 
Those are our semi-finalists, and then from there we take the top 10, and those finalists are then invited to come to our finals event, which this year is in Washington, D.C. We try to change it up every year to really kind of, you know, expand it, you know, because, uh, you know, climate change and the issues that we're trying to address, they don't really, they're not just one area. They're not localized. They're all over the place. So then those students, they come to the finals. They are given a $200 stipend to work on and build a prototype, and then they come and present that prototype in front of a team, you know, further another team of uh, judges that, you know, look at it, and then they, from there they pick the top teams, and, you know, they get their awards. And it's a really cool program. You know, it's not like they just show up and they're judged. They come. We have members of the public. We invite school groups, you know, STEM organizations and professionals to come and look at it as well, and they're able to talk to them as they're cycled through to give their presentations to the judges. So it's a really all-encompassing experience that gives them a lot of, you know, experience for themselves as they grow and change as a person. One of the things I really love about this is the fact that you said prototype. I love the idea how it's the kids can generally make a thing or at least an idea of a thing to present to people who have actual genuine backgrounds around this. I mean, so this is what for 15 to 18 year olds, right? Yes, correct. For 15 to 18 year old pre-university students. So as long as they're not registered uh, or sorry, as long as they have not started to take college classes or university classes yet, then they are more than eligible in that age range. So you've, so you've been going for nine years with this. I mean, so you would have seen some really cool prototypes over the years. Um, what's some that sort of, you know, come to mind that you can remember in the past that uh, students have created just sort of that you totally didn't expect? Uh, um, so I guess one of the ones that, you know, really stood out uh, for me last year was it was this really cool project. It was from a young man from Zimbabwe. Um, and he came and he had developed um, an, uh, was an elect. Uh, is an electronic aqua, aquaponics system. So, you know, um, aquaculture is by, you know, growing plants and stuff. Aquaponics is, you know, using uh, the water to grow plants in it so they're constantly submerged in water. Um, so you don't have to constantly cycle out water and water them, which so it's a much more efficient source. And aquaponics uses fish to fertilize it. So the waste products that come out of fish, they use that to fertilize so you're not putting any toxic chemicals in the water and the plants are in the food. And then, so the young man combined all this together and then he made it controllable uh, via the internet. So you can monitor all the levels of just everything involved with it. So it's a very, you know, it's a very low energy use system. It uses a low amount of resources and it takes a lot less of your time to manage it and really utilize it to help grow food, uh, hopefully on a large scale someday. So that one, like I said, that really sticks out to me as something that's super cool that I really enjoyed. Yeah, and when you kind of think about it, that is not just a, hey, look at my research project. I mean, this person could 100% actually build a real thing out of this after they left school. Like, you could actually do Exactly. It. You know, and when he came, it wasn't, this wasn't, you know, that's why we give them a $200 stipend, and all the teams are limited to that. So it really makes it so that they have to make something that's very economical. It's not going to be, you know, you don't need $100,000 to be able to build these things. They're very simple, straightforward, and, you know, he built this thing, uh, half of it was out of PVC pipe, a very commonly available material. So it's really incredible, you know, that they're able to come up with these concepts and actually build them, and they're not just on paper. Yeah, I bet, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean just trying to think about this, I mean, I haven't come across, I mean, this is just my, my pure ignorance. I haven't come across Spellman, Spellman <laughs> uh, high voltage before, but so what does Spellman actually get up to? So um, odds are, uh, even if you haven't heard of them, odds are that you have been in a medical system that uses their uh, equipment. So they make a lot of things for MRIs and x-ray machines, like the power sources for that. Uh, so they're, 
they're a great company. Uh, they're, you know, they're all over the globe. They have offices in Europe, Asia, America. Uh, so they're all over the place. And they're, the great thing about them, honestly, is that they're a very hands-on sponsor. They don't just write us a check and say, this is, you know, yours to do what you will with it. You know, they're very involved. They help us come up with the concepts. They help us think of new ideas. They help us with judging. So they're very integrated into the overall system. And it shows that they truly care. And they're not just doing this for the notoriety or anything like that, which means a lot to us. Well, it really does mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm from a private business and the reality is that we up people too. <laughs> we want to be able to help <laughs> as much as we can. Absolutely. Of so. course. And this, this is so incredibly powerful. I mean, there's a public-private partnership is a real big deal down in Australia um, and it can often give a real momentum behind some of these projects. And uh, so you're out of the Centre for Science Teaching and Learning. Whereabouts is that? So we're located in uh, Rockville Center, which is on Long Island, just outside of New York City. Uh, so we're a small science education and advocacy center. We do so many things here. Our new, our most exciting thing is that we just opened up a dinosaur exhibit. So we got full-size skeletal models, animatronic dinosaurs, and then incorporated in that is our animal adventure. And it's all tied into one to really teach kids and adults, honestly, about you know, adaptations and how we're able to determine all these things just, by, you know, looking at bones, you know, obviously dinosaurs aren't around. So, you know, that's our big thing, but we also do plenty of science camps. We have a outdoor-based nursery program. Um, we do birthday parties. Uh, we do outreaches. We do, you know, a whole lot of things. And it's really all about making science affordable and exciting for kids. So hopefully they get into it one day and try to do something with that. Yeah, there's so many awesome um, science centers and uh, people have been listening into this podcast know that I, I run into a lot of friends right across the museum and science center sector, right across the place. And, um, and so many cool things. Let's be honest, kids love a dinosaur. It's, <laughs> that's very straightforward. <laughs> They're but, exciting things. Everyone loves dinosaurs. Yeah, they do. And, and these, I mean, places like your Center for Science and Teaching and Learning really make a huge difference. So you're out of Long Island. I mean, do you get many people coming across where you are? Or, the, or do you keep often mainly virtually? Like it sounds like mainly people visit you wherever they can during the school term. How's how's that all sort of go? Yeah, so uh, you know we're open to the public. You know we're on a 17-acre nature preserve, which you know if you know much about the uh, suburbs of Long Island, right outside of New York City, that's a pretty good amount of uh, open land. So it's a really cool thing to bring these kids. You know that you know they're used to you know just seeing a few trees on their street and stuff. So they're able to come. That's always open to the public. You know, we do plenty of programs on the weekends um, and stuff to really allow other, you know, to these kids to come in. But then we also have school groups, you know, come here and, you know, do things to learn, um, you know, through our field trips, the dinosaur program, um, you know, whatever else that we can really, you know, do to help them, again, be, you know, learn and become excited about science. That's it. And, um, and one of the things I like to sort of find out, especially with uh, people that come on this, they've got a bucket load of experience in their own worlds, and you'd certainly do around science education. I mean, if you had uh, some teachers in front of you who are trying to get their head around, how can I teach renewable energy or green technologies, or all that sort of thing? How do I do this if I haven't got much of a budget? I mean, what are the sort of things that you could suggest them like, to start them on the path to sort of get them involved in said teaching? Um, so that's, you know, that's one of the great things here is that, you know, we try to do things on, you know, we try to do them in a, almost not a minimal way, but, you know, so where you don't need a lot of resources. You know, we do a lot of things where, you know, we incorporate, honestly, almost common art supplies um, and, you know, add a next level to it and really challenge the kids to get thinking and try to start working and, you know, really just kind of grow upon that. And that's what's great about these challenges that we give for the competition 
is that they're very open-ended. You know, they're not, they're not trying to give them a very linear way to go about these things so that it's really, you know, they, they, it's all about starting with just an idea and seeing how you can build off of that and expand it and make it grow. You know, you're not going to come out with a finished solution right away. So it's really just about challenging the kids to think and try to do things in a way that they might not have done before um, or that they've never seen before. Or if they have seen it, to really do it just kind of in their own different way and put a spin on it, you know, just to make them excited and see that, you know, science isn't just somebody sitting in a lab, you know, with a microscope or something like that, which is exciting in its own way, um, but might not have the same draw for a younger child as it does, you know, for as you grow older. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, obviously, I mean, these competitions are 100% a good gateway to, or even just a reason to, you know, commence if you haven't quite got your, put your toe in the water yet. I mean, so, I mean, this is kind of time stamping this particular podcast being late to 2019. Next year is your next competition. And so there'll be people listening in who would love to kind of know, Righto, I'm in. So, what are the dates? What do I do? <laughs> so, Kevin, what are very the important things to know? So, registration is open and it's free to register. You know, that's one of the things that we like about it is that it, it, we try to make it as accessible as possible to everyone. You know, so there's there's no fee. You just go onto our website at cstl.org/cleantech, um, and on there you'll find a wealth of information, including the rules and everything like that, as well as the registration page. You can go ahead and sign up there. Um, registration will end in mid-March, uh, March 13th, and then after that, you know, there's about three weeks. Uh, hopefully, they've started working on their papers before then, and then their papers are due on April 3rd, and then we'll announce the final or the finalists at the end of April, and then our finals are actually July 2nd uh, in Washington, D.C., so, you know, July 2nd is right before July 4th, America's founding date, uh, so it's, it's a weekend that's going to be filled with a great celebration. Uh, the Smithsonian, which is a big museum down here, their Folk Life Festival is going on as well, uh, as well as the Solar Decathlon, which is a big collegiate uh, competition where the students essentially create sustainable housing. They're go that's going on at the same time as well. And they're very excited that all this is going to kind of be happening in conjunction with our event as, you know, at the same time. Sounds like you're just having a bit of fun now. <laughs> I am. I really am. I get, I get very excited talking about this because I think it's such a cool thing and an opportunity to really provide for so many different kids that may not have this opportunity um, where they're from, you know, for something like that. We really try to inspire as many people as we can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, this thing will obviously keep on rolling over and get grow and grow and grow and grow. I mean, you've already hit 40 nations. I mean, I imagine you'll just keep on going. I, I, I'm guessing a lot of those are still in the Northern Hemisphere, yeah? Uh, so a good, you know, a good amount of them, you know, I would say we have a very solid base um, in the United States. Um, but beyond that, you know, Singapore is our next biggest one. We always have a good amount of teams from, uh, you know, from Africa. You know, like I said, Zimbabwe, they had a finalist last year. They, have, they always have teams enter South Africa. Um, we always get, seem to get teams from Pakistan, Malaysia. Australia always sends a few teams. They had a finalist a couple years ago, you know, Malaysia. Um, China always sends some, so it's really, you know, Peru was another finalist from a few years ago. We always get teams from Brazil in that area, so it's really, you know, it's not, that's the great thing, is that it's not just, you know, a very northern viewpoint, or maybe even just a western uh, style competition, you know, it's really open to everyone, uh, as, you know, as long as they're able to do the research and be able to present that in speaking English. One of these things that I love about these is that the, uh, You've got kids in upper high school and they're so focused on their getting their task across the line to get it judged and, you know, do really well. And often mm -hmm. when they leave these competitions, they realize, you know what, 
I got to just meet some really cool people and they're doing amazing things and they get to learn a lot more off the other kids' projects. I mean, do they get much of a chance to sort of circle around and just learn off each other? Yeah, no, they definitely do. And that's so, you know, the way the competition's structured is in the morning, uh, you know, it's open, essentially open to the public, which also means that there's plenty of time for the kids, you know, because they come in teams of one to three. Um, so, you know, we try to give them time to go and talk to each other. Um, you know, we try to set up other events so they're able to meet each other and talk and, you know, get to make friends and stuff, because that's one of the things that they always come back to us and say is that, oh, like, I really loved being able to hang out with all these other people that are like-minded, you know, but from the other side of the world and, you know, get their perspective and learn about their project and see things that, you know, I never would have thought of because my circumstances are different. So it's a really cool experience for these kids to be able to come. You know, a lot of them, if they're international, they haven't visited the States at all in general. Um, and even if they have been, you know, oftentimes they haven't come to these areas because they come from so far away that, you know, they're able to see something new and get a new unique experience, which is just really something that we enjoy being able to offer. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, well, you know, definitely all the best with the 2020 competition. And if you're listening on in, by the way, and it's not 2020 and it's 2021 or whatever, jump on cstl.org. And if I imagine if it's not forward slash uh, clean tech at the time, it'll be something like that <laughs> if it doesn't change. And you'll be able to find out about whatever, that comp- whatever the following competition is. Do you actually plan much far ahead or do you sort of just work on these things on a year-to-year basis? Um, so yeah, it's just kind of, it's a year to year basis, you know, it's not, we're not planning out so far in the future, you know, we're confident that it's going to happen because we really think this is an area that a lot of people are interested in and want to see growth in, um, you know, but we like to take, you know, focus on the present and take our time here and really make sure that this experience and this competition is the best that we have to offer and not get too distracted by what's coming up in the future, you know, it's, in the back of our minds but it's not at the forefront of our thought because again we want to make sure that this is the best possible experience for everyone involved and you know make them enjoy it because our finalist teams this year you know some of them do enter again others may not so we don't and, and even if that goes for anyone whether they're invited to finals or not I mean, we really want to make sure that this opportunity is as smooth and as great for them as it is for us every year to be able to do it yeah and let's be honest it's always about you know it's what matters to me now <laughs> It tends to motivate most people. And uh, now this is fantastic. I, I love the idea and, uh, and well done. I mean, nine years and now you're in 40 nations. You are going to go further. And um, importantly, it's really about what the kids are getting to, you know, to do. And well done for Spellman High Voltage for really doing this and uh, backing it. I know there's a lot of sponsors and donors that also back these competitions in lots of different ways too. So um, awesome. Kevin, thank you so much. for. Uh, thank you very much, Ben. It was great talking with you. I'm glad I was able to come join you today. Right, no worries. Now, there'll be some people who may want to reach out to yourself in some way. How, how might they be able to get in touch with you? So uh, if you go on to our website, there is a contact form on there that you can go ahead and fill out and allow you to reach me. Um, but also, you can directly email me. It's just cleantech at cstl.org. And, you know, that's, I'm monitoring and sending emails on that very often, every, every day. You know, it's, all, it's an all-day process responding to everything that's going on and stuff. So that's a great way to reach out to me. Um, you know, if you want to pick up the phone and call, that's also, I'm also always more than happy to talk to you about that. Uh, the phone number is one five one six seven six four zero zero four five, And that is also available on our website. You know, so if you don't, if you quite missed it there, then it's always available online to go access. Absolutely. And as always, we always put those links in the podcast show notes. So uh, 
check those out and uh, definitely just yeah, follow along. If you're not getting involved next year, put in your diaries for 2021. <laughs> or consider how you might be able to get involved in some way, shape or form. It's awesome. So uh, look, Kevin, have a fantastic well, afternoon for you, morning for me, and uh, <laughs> you might catch you another time. That would be great. I'd love to come back and join you again. You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? We love seeing students get excited about science, and you will too. Go to physicseducation.com.au and click on Schools for more info. Well, there we go. We just heard from Kevin Sanders, who is from the Centre for Science Teaching and Learning, and you can really tell this could be a great competition for your students. So... Why not not get in touch? Why not? And uh, look, if they're not in your nation, if you haven't heard of other schools doing it in your region, why not be the first? Just get in touch with them. Just reach out to cstl.org and uh, just look up the Clean Tech Comp and you'll be able to find all about it, about how to get involved. And look, if you can't do it for next year, it seems to me like this is going to keep growing anyway. So maybe plan for the year after if possible. So uh, well worth your time and definitely get in touch. Hey, that is the end of the 2019 series of podcasts that we're doing on the Phys Ed Podcast, but we definitely have more coming up in 2020. And if you're listening in 2020 or further on, yeah, you've got plenty more to check out on the site for sure. But uh, look, we've got a heap coming up. I hope you have a fantastic end of year break and I'll catch you in the new year. You've been listening to another Physics Ed podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au